oftentimes when you do want to change with the the best will in the world the people around you don't want you to change because why would they because the relationships that you're in suits them just as much as they suit that version of you and when you want to start evolving you're then changing the rules of the game within that relationship and that environment and so whilst they may be supportive to a certain extent they've got their own agenda at play here and one of the things that is a natural consequence of changing is you then become a mirror to other people and that can kick up a lot of interest in things. Welcome to Great Conversations with Nicola O'Donoghue, the podcast where everyday individuals share their extraordinary stories of struggle, success and the wisdom they found along the way. Nicola O'Donoghue, welcome to Great Conversations. How are you doing today? <laughs> Feels very strange being on the other side of the uh, conversation. I've got to say, Stian, but um, I'm doing okay. And thank you so much for um offering to interview me today. I'm very grateful, both nervous and excited in equal measure. We have an opening tradition on this podcast where the previous guest leaves a question for the next one, and your question is as follows. What's the most important decision you've made so far and how has it impacted your life? Sure. My guests, they like to leave. <laughs> Interesting questions, don't they? Um, so, yeah, I have been thinking, obviously, quite a bit about this. And I, I think my answer is doing the work to really understand my mindset and myself when I, so I burnt out in 2014, like totally hit the wall. And as part of my whole, um, you know, sort of, I guess, recovery from burnout, I went what I thought was on this journey to sort of rediscover myself. And I think part of burnout and recovering from it is rest. I mean, I, I really, like I had physiological symptoms. I was totally exhausted. I couldn't get out of bed. So there was a period where I did have to rest. But then what I did is, and I think is oftentimes an overlooked part of the burnout recovery process is I did look at the structures of my life because I think, and a lot of people don't, a lot of people rest and then when they feel better, they just sort of, you know, make a few changes and then keep going. And there was something about that time where I knew I was like, no, I can't keep doing the same thing. So structurally I need to look at my life and make some changes. And so I guess I thought at that point and through that, journey of recovery from burnout that I was getting to know myself and, you know, really changing my life for the better and living, I guess, more authentically. But what I realize now is that I wasn't because whilst I did totally change the structure of my life, I mean, my God, I moved from London to Cape Town. I gave up a city job, started my own business. Like it couldn't have been, you know, externally, my life looked fundamentally different. But what I only realize now looking back is the I rebuilt a new a new structure for my life, but from the old mindset, it was the old beliefs that I held on to that created the new structure. And so whilst externally it looked different, the internal drivers were exactly the same as what had led to me burning out in the first place. And I wasn't aware of that. And so when I say doing the work, it was, I mean, 2020 coming out of my marriage and 
realizing at that point something fundamentally needs to change like I think at that point I finally heard the universe's lesson of you can't keep going the way you are you have to go internally you have to understand more about who you are what drives you what your beliefs are and what you tell yourself how you talk to yourself and so it's that that for me fundamentally changed my life that's incredible and it's such a big you know it's a big process you're talking about it's not a it's not a subtle change it's not it's not one habit it's it's really looking at your whole life from the foundations up and i'm curious when you were doing this when you realized you know you're burnt out you need to change your life what do you think what was the first step because again you know you're talking about a lot of big life changes with your marriage and with uh, burnout but what was that first step you took where you felt now I have started my new journey um, you know whether that's being finding a therapist or you know what what was that first step on this big exciting journey you you've gone on yeah I mean it it happens in stages doesn't it and it's um yeah like mm -hmm. I thought when I burnt out in 2014 that I'd hit rock bottom but actually I hadn't um unfortunately um and I had to go on a, you know, a seven and a half journey, a seven and a half year journey that took me to some really horrendous places before I could wake up to the fact that something fundamentally needed to change. It started, I think, with just connecting with people who I felt really saw me. So I think with a lot of, well, not a lot, but I don't know, I'm, I'm probably going to go a bit deep here, but, you know, with with re with religion and the demise of um, religion and the importance that it plays in people's lives, I think a lot of us are looking for meaning and purpose and community elsewhere. And so when I burnt out in 2014, I gravitated to the spiritual community and I think it's what a lot of people do. And so I connected with women that I felt really saw me and really saw the, I think the exhaustion that a lot of women carry. You know, I was so, I was operating in an environment that pulled me so into the, I mean, well, I'll get really binary, but the traditional masculine, you know, I was that A-type red hyperachiever player. I was a no-nonsense businesswoman flying all over the world, you know, living that life. And I was so tightly wound and tightly strung. And so I was sat in this talk and this lady started talking about living from the inside out and about the divine feminine and how we're often living our life so disconnected from who we really are. And I just felt like she'd reached into my soul and just saw me and I just lost it. I was crying. And wow. that was the moment where then it opened the door for me to go on this, I guess, quite a spiritual journey of who am I and trying to discover what was important to me, trying to rest and yeah, give some space for that. I think for me to discover what that feminine side of Nicola looked like. But so in this, in this, um, quest to try and find myself and to be more vulnerable and to open up and to live more authentically. I was still in relationships with people that whilst they might have said that they were supportive of me embarking on that journey, they weren't. Um, you know, they they were, you know, they didn't want me to change too much because that would change the dynamics of a relationship. Um, and so 
yeah, it was like dipping my toe in and thinking that I was finding out who I was, but sort of, but not really. You know, if we think about those times when we, we're, we're burnt out or we're going through any kind of difficult time, we can feel so isolated. And I think it, it resonated with me so much. You, you mentioning how you reach out to people, speak to people you relate to, speak to people who you, you see something in. And yes, we're vulnerable because we're putting ourselves out there and we're real, rebuilding our life. But finding, finding those women who can, who can speak with you, that's... Um, and it's amazing what that community can do and how we can lift yeah, each other up. Absolutely. But and, and I think um what was what was really difficult and I think is whenever you make a change is that shedding of identity. So, you know, I'd because I was going through burnout by myself. Like none of my none of my peers or friends had burnt out. I sort of seemed to be the first one. Um, you know, and so I was leaving behind everything that I'd ever worked for and everything that I'd ever known. And so actually there was a lot of shame and I, and I couldn't, and, and I did feel really lost. And to be honest, I, it was hard for me to open up and share that with anyone. Um, because people that were in my life and those relationships that I had couldn't relate because they hadn't experienced what I had experienced. And yes, this community of women that I found was nurturing and exactly what I needed in that respect. They also hadn't traveled in my shoes. And so a lot of them had not experienced what I was going through. And so it was really hard and it was really lonely actually. And at that point in my life, I wasn't as comfortable opening up and sharing and being vulnerable and, and, you know, asking for help and so still in the midst of all this feeling so lost and alone and I guess I was still running from grief I was still not asking for help I was still telling everybody it's fine and anybody that asked I was you know oh I'm following the love of my life and I'm gonna leave this you know country behind and um everything's great and and actually um, internally it wasn't but I still wasn't comfortable to share that because I didn't know, I still didn't know who I was. Um, and yeah, so it, it, so I think it does take time to figure out who you really are and to step into living an authentic life. And I think it's important to have grace and patience. And what I realize now is it's important to be discerning about the relationships that you have in your life. And at that time I wasn't. The people around us have a profound effect on us, even if we feel isolated. That's really incredible. Um, yeah. I think and a question I wanted to ask that relates to this um, is a question you also ask your guests a lot that will give us some context because we've spoken about the burnout. Um, but I'd love to hear a bit about the life before that. So the question mm. would be, who is Nicola O'Donoghue? Yeah. <laughs> um. So I would say I am extremely loving, a lifelong learner, deeply sensitive, um, always been so curious about everything, people, life, everything. I was the kid whose nose was constantly in a book. Um, I really am the ultimate bookworm. I loved it. You know, I was literally the nerdy kid that when we'd go on holiday, I'd make my mum and dad take me to the local library and I'd be checking books out um, on holiday. Um, 
I mean, I'm it's really lucky. So I, I grew up in Liverpool in the UK in the 80s. And so I think that I'm, I, I think I'm really lucky. I was sort of, you know, I, I'm of that generation that we, we didn't have technology and we did grow up in the streets. And what came with that was just, I think, learning how to look after yourself and be resilient and connect with others and you just had to like make stuff up we grew up riding our bikes and everyone playing together we'd all be out and making dens climbing trees being naughty playing knock and run and it was crazy because like you'd go out and then you'd come home when it gets dark and you know somehow your mom would know what you'd been up to even though she didn't see you and didn't know where you were um and I just grew up in a, like ours was always the open house. So our, our house was always full of kids. The backdrop of that, very Catholic, grew up with very traditional roles. My mum was a stay-at-home mum. My dad worked. Sunday lunches, the whole family, grandparents. Like a very traditional, I guess, northern working class roots and frame of reference and upbringing. But can you tell me a little bit about then, you know, as you grow up and start pursuing this, we know you achieved high things, of course. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey as well? Yeah, do you know, and I think, again, this is a sort of identity thing as well, isn't it? And, and, and look and sliding doors. So I'd always been really good in school because obviously I was a nerd and loved learning. And this is the power of, role models and mentors in your life, isn't it? So my chemistry teacher, Mr. Mercer, who I will be forever indebted to, um, took me to one side when I was starting my A-levels. And I remember mm. Mr. Mercer taking me to one side and saying, listen, I think you should go. There's an open weekend for Laura Oxford that, um, that Rachel and Matthew are going to. I think you should go with them. And I was like, why? Why would I do that? But I went and had the best time ever. Came back and was like, I'm going to Oxford, everybody. And that was it. That was literally as far as it went. And so I remember my my dad being so against it he was like no you're not going to Oxford like people like us don't go to those universities like I, I don't want you to go and obviously at that time I was also a very headstrong teenager that would love to argue with her dad so I was like I'm going to Oxford <laughs> and but I had no idea I had no idea what that even meant and so Mr Mercer really guided me I ended up going to Oxford and that when I say it fundamentally changed the trajectory of my life it did because now looking back I understand why my dad was so worried about me going there because I then got introduced to a world that I did not know existed. And it was a really difficult adjustment again from an identity. You know, the girl from Liverpool rocks up to Oxford and then suddenly I'm like, oh, you know, questioning everything about myself, my roots, how do I fit in? Even, you know, the type of law that I would go on to, to practice. Before I'd gone to Oxford, you know, as I said, I wanted to defend and look after the the local man I was going to work in a local practice and help people in Liverpool and then I got to Oxford and it's like you know oh no you won't do that you'll go and buy and sell companies and work for very rich people so then you you go on and you become 
a very successful lawyer, of course. And I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to hear, I mean, you, you've elaborated a bit on sort of the lifestyle and the, the high pressure. Um, but looking back now, and we'll get to the next, the next part as well, but what do you think, looking back now, what skills did you pick up in your pursuit of law and your career that now with your new life are still useful for you? Are there any unexpected sort of skills you picked up? You oh, you yeah. Still? I mean, yeah? The, 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 like the, the grounding that you get as a lawyer is second to none. And the, the level of detail that I have and um, how I review things and um, my mm. ability to sort of be all over a lot of the detail is really important. I think just even the, the, the grounding of how I organize my, my day and my work and my focus and my files and just that, you know, you have to be how I plan my time. I think all of that, I didn't realize at the time, but that was what was being drummed into us because when you're working on several cases, you have to be, you know, um, on top of your time, on top of the detail. So I think that has definitely, definitely carried me forward. And then I think, and then I think like a lot of experiences, it also taught me how not to be and what I, I, what was important to me, you know, I'd, the, that whole period working as a lawyer was really, really, really difficult. You know, I'd, I'd come, I was this fresh faced Oxford graduate that was confident and I thought I had the world at my feet and in some ways I did. And then I got into this environment that was just brutal. You know, it bullying, sexual harassment, the misogyny, like it's just you, it was, that was actually the biggest, that was bigger shock to my system and my identity than going to Oxford. That was when I really thought I don't fit in here. There was no role models. There was no, there was no development. Um, there was no learning like you sort of it's a really strange environment like a lot of the trainees and lawyers it's um you're like a survivor group together or trying to help each other out um you know and sort of learn from each other and have you done this or what works or lots of precedents and that you use but not really fully understanding why it's yeah it's crazy yeah. crazy environment when those in those moments as you're Every day you're just getting, you know, you're getting the worst of it. You're getting full-on critique, no constructive of anything. Um, what, do you th what was the thought or, or, or the motivation for you to say, I'm going to put up with this because I want to be great? What do you think was driving you to that? Ego, fear, not knowing what else. Like, you know, the, the ego, I, I was a corporate lawyer working at the biggest corporate M&A law firm um, at, that, at that point in time, definitely in England, possibly even, you know, Europe at that time. And I was earning a lot of money for a 24-year-old. Um, it was all I'd ever wanted. You know, that was just the right, it wasn't as if, I think it, this is the, this is what's really awful, isn't it? About abuse and about toxic environments is how you can so easily rationalize it and normalize it. So I wasn't unique. Everyone was being treated this way. So in some ways it was just your, t your entry ticket, like the price of admission. Everyone just had to go through this. I wasn't being bullied and singled out for me. It was just 
this is what everyone was getting on with. I drank a lot, like numbed, like a lot of the stuff. I just numbed with alcohol. Like I think back now to the amount of alcohol I drank. Um, I mean, I was in my twenties as well, but I drank a lot as just a way of not really thinking about it because I couldn't, because then what do you do? I built my life around this goal of being a lawyer and working and thriving in this environment. And then I get there and it's so horrendous. How do you at such a young age as well, even like mentally square that circle? Actually, I went to see a career, um, a career coach who helped me think through some things like, what is it about the job that you like? What are you good at? And actually that was, and at the time my, um, my boyfriend at the time was super supportive. And what I realized is that I enjoyed a lot of the, the business part of it. It's quite foundation shaking, isn't it? You've worked so long for you. As you say, you get there and you realize this is not, this is not the dream you had, right? This isn't the life you imagined. You are the what, you're the lawyer, but you're not the who. You're not a happy person. You're not feeling the fulfillment you imagined in your first court case at 10. You know, it's, um, I, I can only imagine the amount of strain that, you know, puts into your life just every day, a baseline level of stress of existing this way. This all makes sense when we, from our previous, when we were talking about burning out and coming to a limit, because these things, you, 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 you can't contain your, your true self too long. Well, maybe you can, but it's a miserable existence, isn't it? The more you dim, the, the more difficult it becomes to just suppress um, who we are. So I can imagine through that how it would, it came to the point you mentioned earlier, where it's just, you, you said even your body was telling you enough is enough, right? As we know, this journey culminates with you making a big change and rebuilding from, from the beliefs, from the fundamentals, the career, everything. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you do next uh, from there as your life does this big pivot? What becomes the new the new ambition, the new dream for you? Again, I think that changed and that evolved and and as I changed and evolved. And, and I think permission for everyone to do that because isn't that what we're here to do is to grow and evolve. So as I say, like when I was coming out of law, my aspiration was to go into private equity. I mean, it's crazy. And then I went to business school. I went to Cambridge University and got my, my MBA from Cambridge. And it was when I was at Cambridge that I came across concepts such as organizational psychology. Um, I started to hear more about how there was this whole movement within business where you looked after the employee and you put, you built businesses that were values driven and you thought about development and having spent so long in a career and a, and a profession that I felt didn't center that it, it awoke something in me. And so then I went on this journey of, you know, moving into, and at that point, my passion was talent management, organizational design and development. And I mean, to a certain extent, it still is about how do we build organizations that are mission led, that are values driven organization that puts the employee at the heart of it, but the employee well-being and development in a way that's not lip service. And um, I've, you know, it's hard to find companies that do that, hence why now I'm building my own. Um, but that was sort of the mission and, and I guess the, the passion and the driver. And I did that within organizations. And then when I met my, um, I'd met my ex-husband before I decided to, before I just shortly before I 
properly burnt out. And then I had the opportunity to move to South Africa and I sort of embraced that. That was my, you know, burnout. I'm restructuring my whole life. I'm going to leave the UK behind. I'm going to leave the toxic city of London behind. And I'm going to go and build this more peaceful and balanced life amongst nature with my Prince Charming in Cape Town. And um, at that point, my aspiration was very much to get married, stay in and have kids. Like I'd done the career woman and the career woman had seen me burn my ass out. And now I was like, you know what? I I really want to get married. I'd, I'd wanted to get married for a long time um, and have children. And I was like, you know, that was my aspiration. I'm, I'm going to go and yeah, like that's going to be my priority. <laughs> so naive and sweet. I didn't know anyone other than my ex. I like literally didn't know anyone. Um, and so even that of just sort of navigating change and really I don't think I gave myself enough grace and enough time so you know I pretty much jumped straight into setting up a business um, and work rather than giving myself time to process this change I didn't know how to navigate that so I just did what I always did which was do (laughs) you know like the achiever came out and it's like let's just achieve and so you know how are you getting on in Cape Town I'd be like well I've got this client and I'm working on this project and you know it was sort of still the same that's why I was saying at the beginning of the podcast like the the biggest gift and thing that's changed my life was stopping and looking at that because even though the the you know the country was different I was still operating in very similar ways. I wasn't as stressed. I was going to the gym more. I was out in nature more. So I was probably a slightly nicer person. Um, But yeah, I was still operating in the way that I pretty much always had done. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it resonates so much with your answer to our first question of, you know, really addressing, addressing things that are um, difficult to us as opposed to, um, doing the next thing, keeping the performance up and keeping the activity level high, that there is a point where you have to stop and actually listen to what's really going on uh, inside. So, yeah, amazing how – and, yes, sorry. Yeah, I agree, and and I think that, you know – two two reasons why I why I didn't and they're not to be underestimated the the first is I didn't have the skills and the ability to do that you know it's one of the things that I'm really passionate about now is you know we are not taught how to be with ourselves we are not taught how to emotionally regulate and at that time as well what I wasn't consciously aware of but I also wasn't in a safe enough environment to do that and I think that is a huge part of it as well because I think you know although I was in what I now know to be an abusive marriage even when I was in a work environment there's still levels of not feeling psychologically safe enough to ask those questions or to show up or to give yourself that space and that grace to do the investigations that you need So I think both of those need to be present as well before you can, you can do what I said, you know, what, what, what I did, which was stop and face it compassionately and be curious and go in and go into that. Cause I think if you, if you do that, and this is sort of what I alluded to earlier with when I burnt out, when I thought I was starting to do that because of the relationship that I was in, 
it actually wasn't safe enough for me to do that. And so I couldn't do the unfolding in the way that I needed to and the self-discovery and the self-exploration because I actually wasn't in a safe enough environment and I wasn't consciously aware of that. But at some level I must have been because I didn't do, I didn't go there and I didn't do it. And then you also moved to another country. You moved to Toronto. <laughs> I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. And uh, can yeah. you tell me a little bit about what uh, what happens in t- Toronto then? <laughs> yeah. Do you know, it's so fun. It's so interesting because as I'm talking to you, it's like it feels as if um, maybe this is the story, hey, of like to just let go of any preconception of how you think your life's going to be because you know what what I'm realizing now is that at every stage like you know new chapters that I've started I've always gone into them with an expectation or a vision of what that's going to look like and what it's going to give me and nine times out of ten it's never looked or given me what I thought it was going to at the beginning Um, and that was exactly what it was with Canada like I had this successful business in South Africa. I really loved my business. I was in a very unhappy marriage and I didn't feel safe in South Africa. And so when the opportunity came to leave South Africa, I felt like that was something I needed to take. The coaching business, the consulting business that I'd had that was successful in um, in Cape Town and so and successful for me is that it gave me enough money to live and then gave me the freedom to go and live my life and I met the most fabulous people and it was really innovative and creative and um, successful because I was doing work that I loved with people that I loved and yeah I got to Canada and that stopped and so what it gave me was actually an opportunity so I started a coaching um, accreditation program And what I didn't realize is through that process, because as I was training to be a coach, one of the requirements is that I had to have a coach and I'd never had, I'd never worked extensively with a a life coach before. And that was the beginning of this really getting to know myself. And the more that I got to know myself and explore and started to realize, oh, there's this hyperachiever that's driving a lot of my decisions as people pleaser starting to realize that actually whilst on the outside I was extremely confident I had no self-worth like zero like I didn't realize at that point that self-worth shows up in your most intimate relationships and I didn't have any I I, I was I was confident I had self-esteem but I didn't have self-worth and the more that I started to tap into that and build that that then gave me the, you know, I think it was just a mixture of, you know, there was a year of really struggling from a professional point of view, but I was um, undergoing the beginnings of this, what was going to be a huge transformation in my life, but not realizing it, making friends and meeting people in the coaching community. And then COVID hit. And I was like, well, you can't write this shit, can you? (laughs) So then we went into lockdown and then, But again, the biggest gift that there ever was for me anyway, I know that many people um, had a very different COVID experience. For me, it was a gift from the universe because um, I I, at that point found myself um, like able to able to leave, able to leave my ex. And I did. And I grabbed it with both hands. I was 
not far off my 40th birthday and I was in a flat in an apartment with zero furniture sleeping on the floor with um, having to ask my dad to pay my rent because I had no money the only thing I had was one suitcase and my cat that was it and I was like how the hell did I get here like this was not this was not how it was supposed to play out and that but that was the gift it was like in that moment I don't know how I managed to do it but I I was compassionate I was like you poor woman like never again like this can never happen again like we have to you have to do the work you have to figure out what the hell led you to be here and I and that was my ability as well to take responsibility to, to take my part in and accept my responsibility for the situation that I'd been in. Um, you know, and so, yeah, and that was, and that was it. And so, so Canada, so it, yeah, it didn't go the way I thought, but then what it did is it gave me that year to, I worked extensively with a therapist, particularly a trauma therapist. So it was only after I'd left my ex-husband that I realized that I'd been in an abusive relationship, that I I definitely had PTSD. And so I went into trauma therapy and that's when I finally met myself. And that's when I finally started to, yeah, I don't know, just love myself more and respect myself more and dare to dream and dare to want to build a life that was more aligned with who I am and what I want to bring into the world. I'm so sorry to hear about that. You know, the, the PTSD you had to go through. It's, you know, it's really, these are, are not simple things to detangle. And uh, it's really inspiring to hear as well how you talk about, like, obviously you've been, you know, treated badly. There's been abuse by people from the work to the marriage. Like, these are difficult relationships. But also, you know, at the same time, talking about your part in it, not to say that mm. it's your fault at all but sort of more the, the tangled habits we have because of what life throws at us. And it's, it's really inspiring to hear about someone looking at themselves and just confronting those things and mm. the bravery of starting to pull off that first Band-Aid and really understand ourselves. Also, I think really exciting to hear that your, your impulse is sort of just from knowing you is to share that, you know, because for some people, these things can be very private. It's hard to... You know, we've spoken about vulnerability today. It's hard to be vulnerable and say, I went through a lot and to do that publicly, but also to share it. Thank you. I, mm. I take that. Thank you. I've done enough now that I can, that I can talk about it without shame. It took me a long time. I mean, you know, we're talking like three years, three years on now. Um, and there still is a little bit that I think it's more shame from other people. And that's why I'm very minded of, you know, I can say now I was a, I am a domestic abuse survivor. I can say I burnt out and not have any shame around that. Um, and I think it's important for me to say that because I think often with, particularly with domestic abuse survivors, we have this um, misguided idea of what a victim looks like or what a survivor looks like. And, um, you know, they, they, it, they come in all shapes and sizes just because I was outwardly confident and, um, 
yeah. you know, it's, it's successful doesn't mean that I'm, I'm immune to abuse. So it's important for me to, to, to say that. And what I won't do is lift the covers of what it looked like. You know, I'm not going to go into trauma mm -hmm. porn and then talk about that. It's a part of my story. It's definitely influenced like who I am today and what I'm doing today. It does not define me. Um, he doesn't deserve that glory. It does not define me, but it is a part of my story and I'm not ashamed of it. What I, what I detect sort of also from what the journey we've discussed is I know with ambition, we can be very hard line with ourselves. We can be very firm with ourselves of, I want to achieve the greatest. So, you know, you get to Cape Town and you want to build a thriving business and you want to achieve because it's good to be ambitious, but we take a very hard line approach. And from what you're talking about now with this project, there's a, there's being kind to yourself, even with your ambition. And of course, I'd love to hear more about, um, where it is right now, what it's, what it's currently, uh, in, what shape it's currently in. Integrate is a community where people can access um, on-demand, customizable learning and coaching resources to help them live a happier, healthier, less stressful life. We have an assessment that we've built when that is grounded in positive psychology, leadership development, behavior change. You take our assessment for free, you get a personalized report, and then you come and join our community and the platform and you can navigate in a way that works for you. And I think that's one of the things that's so important is change and is individual and unique. And we meet you where you're at. If you wanna engage in online, like very small, short micro courses that then, you know, the whole idea is to put into action, bring it into your life, make it practical. But if you want to work with people, we've got workshops so you can come and meet people from all over the world. We've got coaches that you can work with one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we've got a book called the dare to be great book that, um, if you just want to read a book about the different areas and use that as your guide to bring what you're reading into your life, you can, and so that's what's really important for me and as well as the podcast is to have these different mediums where people can access the tools and the information in a way that works for them when they need it and in a way that's not going to bankrupt them because um, I think that's really important. It sounds incredible. And um, you. you say with the coaching, I know you've got, a few, you've got a few people on your roster. Do I understand that correct? Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about the coaches? Yeah. So, and this is what is just so magical about Integrate because I am building Integrate with honestly the most phenomenal humans around me. Like I, I am just so grateful. I put out my vision to the world and then these amazing humans have shown up. So the team and the people around me are also so reflective of my journey and, you know, at different points in my life, I've met these amazing humans that then, you know, were friends, but now for, cause it's the right time and serendipity, we're coming together to build something that is integrate because we're really on a mission to build a world that's more connected to itself, to build a world where authenticity and compassion and care are at the forefront of that. And as such, then it becomes a platform for people to thrive. And then, um, yeah, it's a real honor to have these phenomenal humans that are helping me build this. I'm so excited for you and I'm so excited to see it. Uh, Thank I you. Think it's going to be such a, a force for good in the world, you know? So I think, you know, you're providing this really exciting resource, of course, 
And I think for a lot of people, and also just from my experiences, it's it's very hard to take that first step. You know, um, what do you think is a good a good way to just take a small first step in one's life to just start the process? I think it's support. So let me pull back. There's never going to be a right time to take the first step. Like there really isn't. Uh, fear is so pervasive that there's always going to be some excuse. Um, and I get it, you know, and in a time poor and energy poor world, they're real. And I'm with the cost of living crisis. So now money, there genuinely are, you know, real external reasons for not taking that step and I think oftentimes they can overshadow and then you build it up to be something bigger than it is and I think in that fear and in that desire to change you can feel isolated and I'm talking about myself and how I felt I felt alone I felt isolated and what we were talking about earlier with meeting Fiona and that community it gave me the courage. It made me realize that I wasn't alone. And that's been one of my big insights. And it's why I am so passionate about this podcast. We all think that our journeys are unique and nine times out of 10, they're not. Like, you know, you think that you're dealing with something that nobody else in the world has dealt with. It's probably not true. It won't be exactly the same because our frame of reference and where we live and, you know, there will be differences, but there's a lot more that unites us than divides us. And there's a lot more that's similar. So I think connecting with the community that is integrated, you can do that through our YouTube channel and in the platform, there's a community um, a private community space that we have. And I think just that for me, it would be connecting and surrounding yourself with people that see you and that want and that are there for you and that get you. And that's the most important thing because one of the, one of the things, and I, I mean, I, I did say this, I don't know how articulately, but you know, when I burnt out, the people around me didn't get it. And I think oftentimes when you do want to change with the the best will in the world, the people around you don't want you to change because why would they? Because the relationships that you're in suits them just as much as they suit that version of you. And when you want to start evolving, you're then changing the rules of the game within that relationship and that environment. And so whilst they may be supportive to a certain extent, they've got their own agenda at play here. And one of the things that is a natural consequence of changing is you then become a mirror to other people. And that can kick up a lot of interest in things. And so connecting to a community of individuals who are on a similar journey and a similar journey to, that is just simply wanting more for their life. I, I think it's so powerful, this this idea, because I know, again, just speaking from my experience is that feeling that you are, like you said, you, you are, have a unique problem and you're the only person in the world living through this and you are trapped and just suddenly realizing that there are people outside of you who relate to you. You're not a freak of nature. You're going through something that is unfortunately normal in the world we live in. That's so powerful. And, you know, whether it's a podcast or a book or, or meeting someone in person, connecting with someone and realizing that that's the case that you're not alone it's not out of the ordinary that is such an incredible 
uh, incredible thing to realize. And uh, yeah, mm. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And I think, and I think also the, like the type of community as well, you know, oftentimes the people closest to us as well, they want to help fix us, fix, or they want to help us. So they, they, you know, they give us, we have a problem and they, they telling you what to do or they're giving you the solution. And I think there's something about what particularly for integrate is we don't tell you what to do. What we do is create the space for you to come up with your to figure that out yourself because we trust that you've got the inner resources and resilience to do that. Only you know what's, what you need in your life, Stay, and I don't. But what I can do for you is I can see you and hold space for you and be there alongside you as you figure it out for yourself. And if you want, I can say, this is what helped for me. This is what I encountered. But it's up to you to go and explore that yourself. But in an environment where you're encouraged to do that. Uh, and I think that's what's really important. Yeah. So, and uh, what does the future hold for you next for, for Integrate? So we've launched. Da, da, da. So you can access, so where you can find, I mean, I'm sure we'll have this in the show notes. So www.intointreat.net integrate.net is the platform, the life transformation platform. On that site, you can purchase a membership to the platform, purchase workshops, purchase um, coaching. That's where you'll access our private community as well. We have um, all of our socials. So we are on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, obviously. And we've also got blogs. We've so the First, the sort of initial first stage is just getting integrate out into the world and known and talking to people and letting people know it's there. It is for both businesses and individuals. So um, the we really wanted to make it a development and well-being community. So if businesses are looking for well-being or development solutions for their employees, reach out to us. We would love to have a chat um, or for an individual that just wants to go on the journey and they're ready to take the next step or they are thinking they might be, but not sure. Check us out. It's for, um, yeah, it's for, for everybody because at the end of the day, we're all human, aren't we? Well, great, Nicola. I think, uh, I think we're nearing the, the end of our, um, our time here. So uh, we have a closing tradition on this podcast where we ask our guest. Uh, what is something that others value that you don't? Oh my God, I have thought about this question so much. Um, <laughs> and I'm really strong. So you are not going to be surprised. I no longer value small talk. Obviously it won't surprise you. But um, <laughs> I've just realized lately, particularly with Integrate, I've been at a lot more, obviously I'm networking and meeting new people. And I really struggle with small talk and I can understand why people like it and the purpose that it serves. I just think great conversations with what I'm doing with Integrate. I'm just like, oh, I just want to tell me all about your childhood. <laughs> what do you love? Who are you? It's like, oh my God. <laughs> You don't even know me, but I just can't. I just struggle now with, because, yeah, I think because I lived so long in that world and in the, and I don't want to say inauthentic. I don't want to sound judgmental because 
small talk does not equate to inauthenticity. For me, what it does equate to though is a shield. And I think that's why I don't value it anymore because through small talk, you're protecting yourself from truly being seen. And there's a lot of comfort in that. And I think because I've done so much work to shed that shield. Um, and again, it's not the same as vulnerability. It's not, I, you know, I don't verbally diarrhea my whole life history to people. I'm not talking about that, but there's a, it's authenticity and vulnerability are different in that respect, but it is the authenticity, what matters to you, what drives you. And I think also because of how I'm building my life and my business back to people who are like, I only want relationships and people in my life where there's a values alignment. And so small talk stops me from fully understanding who you are as a person, which then for me, it makes it difficult to be able to read the relationship or where this could potentially go. So I've noticed that I do not value small talk. I think that's that's a fantastic answer. I was so curious to hear what you were going to say. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> now no one's going to speak to me. Now every I'm very aware that I've potentially just ostracized myself from every party mm -hmm. and event. Well, to be fair, I think uh, just people know me now. Uh, Nicola, uh, thank you so much for trusting me to do this. This is uh, it's really a privilege to be able to interview you after editing so many of your episodes and. You know, I've learned so much from it. Yeah, needless to say, I've really, it's, it's made my life so much better. And yeah, so I just wanted to thank you for taking the time. Uh, no, thank you, Stan. Honestly, I was really quite nervous um, beforehand. I, I didn't know what was going to come out of my mouth. I think that's why. Um, so thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. I, f I feel very seen and very heard. Um, so thank you very, very much. Thank you to the amazing individuals who make great conversations possible. My editor, Stian Moritz, musician Jamie Jenkin, and our incredible guests for their openness. Make sure to check out our website, integrate.net, which has all the resources you need to live a happier, healthier, less stressful life. Sending you so much love. Bye for now.